The stage is also set up a little bit differently. You may be wondering what's going on. Where's the pulpit? That's because today I'm doing an interview with a special guest in our church and he's going to come up to the stage, join me. I'm going to ask him some questions. We're going to be talking about dad life. So can you please join me in welcoming to the stage the one and only, the head of facilities and so much more here at church, <laughs> Jeff Booth. Welcome, Jeff. Welcome to my little chat show. How are you doing? Pretty good, thanks, Joel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, no worries. I hope you don't mind. I rated your music collection and yeah. got one of your songs. I know, you know, it's it's one of your favourites. It was one of my favourites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, that's right. So, Jeff, yeah, welcome to the stage, mate. It's great to have you up here. Just for the benefit of our studio audience, I thought I'd just kind of reel off some quick stats and facts about who you are. If that's all right, so don't just go going through, just don't go going. Off, don't go off script, Joel. Yeah, yeah. I'm just <laughs> going from my memory only. Yeah. Um, so. You're a Rotarian. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yep. You're a husband, father of three, mad fisherman. Oh, I'm not so mad, but yeah. <laughs> mad fisherman. <laughs> you also um, barrack for the Dockers. Oh well, that's that's another subject for another time. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I don't uh, watch the football, but I no. did prepare some conversation points about the Dockers. If yeah, you wanted to talk yeah. about their season yeah, and yeah. how you're they went, you're welcome to scrap that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no worries. That wasn't in the script. <laughs> Um, yeah, and also you're heavily involved in the life of this church, which is great. Yeah. Um, but look, you've got three kids. You've got Mark, you've got Elise, you've got Christy. Yep. Uh, Mark's travelling around Australia at the moment, but Christy and Elise are both here today. thought we could maybe break the ice. Do you have any embarrassing stories about Elise or Christy uh, from their childhood, which you'd yeah, like to yeah. maybe share? Oh, just a little one. I mean, it's, you know, during the... During the 40-odd years, there's lots of little stories you could come up with. But Carly and I were talking about this the other day. And um, when Christy was about nine or ten, she was, I was tucking her in. And I always tuck the kids in and you know, read a story or something like that. She said, Dad, um, what's sex? And Carly was out. And I said to uh, Christy, I said, well, um, wait till mum gets home. <laughs> and Christy said to me... What doesn't she know either? <laughs> and that, that was that was true. We've never forgotten that. Yeah. And of course, you, you all know. Is Elise here? Yeah. yeah. Where is she? Yeah. Well, Lily's the treasurer for the church, and she's an accountant by trade. And so, and and for those who know Elise, you know that she's pretty much a little scammer. You know, she 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 scams. <laughs> And the, one of the earliest signs of this that Carly and I saw, we were travelling in New Zealand with some friends and we were driving back up to where we were staying and we stopped at a pub for a dinner and there was um, four adults and five kids or three kids or something like that, four, uh, four kids. Christy wasn't with us. And we were in there and she wanted to play this game and she said, Dad, can I have some money to play the game? And I said, no, you've had enough. You know, you don't need any more money. And so she, off she went and uh, sort of stored it away. And then uh, a little while later, one of the other people's children came and said to their father, can I have some money? And he said, well, I don't have any at the moment. And I said, well, hang on, I've got 20 cents. And straight away she popped up and she said, look at that, he's not even your kid. <laughs> you know? And, and that's, that scamming routine has never changed. She's still, <laughs> still very good at early. We should have recognised those early signs. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So we've kind of had a couple of conversations on the mm. phone, email. We even caught up for a coffee just talking about what we might cover. And we're just having a bit of a chat about 
your upbringing and what your relationship was like with your parents. Yeah. Um, and so I was just wondering if you could share a little bit about that. Okay, so we were, I was born in uh, Fremantle and um, first eight or nine years was in a little house on Stock Road in Palmyra. First schooling was in uh, Palmyra, uh, Palmyra Primary School and then we moved to Geraldton. But we were, look, we were well loved as children. We really, you know, our parents loved us to death. Um, the family moved to Geraldton in 1963 and uh, uh, father was running meatworks and bits and pieces up in Geraldton. And, um, and we, were, uh, <laughs> we were free range kids. You know, literally allowed to ride bikes, take boats out. We had a fantastic upbringing, um, a, a fantastic environment in Geraldton for as youngsters growing up. The relationship with our parents, well, we were, as I said, we were very, very well loved. There were, you know, and we always knew their love was pretty much unconditional. Mm. Like, we never wanted for anything. There were things that, you know, this was post-war. Dad came back from war, one of the last ships out of Singapore. Um, and so the hotel life, for example, was very much a part of his existence. And, um, uh, you know, and, uh, some of the older people here might recall, you know, in the um, and I, I think a lot of this is about shaping the way that you act as a father. But I remember as a kid sort of being parked outside hotels, you know, um, and, um, you know, you get a bottle of cool drink and that, and the three of us kids were sitting in the car sort of thinking, when's he going to come out and bits and pieces. And I remember thinking, I will never, ever do that to my children. I, I just couldn't. So there were little things that you think of, you know, because we're talking about this, that, you know, part of the learning on the journey is what, you know, the way you're going to be. That's a pretty practical example. I think, you know, my mother, you know, she didn't want to go to Geraldton and so she suffered quite badly and it probably, you know, one way or another, it, it killed her in the end. She died when she was quite young. So, um, you know, substance really abuse. So that was sad. But look, we never wanted and, and they set a wonderful example of love. Mum would pack us off to Sunday school but wouldn't go to church herself, one of those sorts of examples, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a little bit about it. So when you say hotel life, you're talking about your dad is inside yeah. pretty much yeah. drinking alcohol, yeah. catch up with some friends. And oh, yeah. You and your two siblings are in the car. Yeah. I think that was a story you were Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. For but a few hours of time. that was common. Yeah. I mean, you just can't imagine leaving your children parked outside of outside a pub right now and I, I'm sure some of the older people have seen it that uh, you would never do that I mean the police would be on you for doing that yeah. but we used to park outside the Australia Hotel and we had a lot of fun because there was an old bridge that went across the railway line and that in that time there were steam trains and you know we and the driver of the steam train would be coming down and we'd be up on the bridge and every time he'd sort of let off a whole lot of steam so we you know <laughs> which sort of so all this steam had come up around <laughs> us so, so we made I mean, as kids do, you, uh, you know, you uh, adapt, and we had fun. Yeah. yeah. So, do you think for your dad that you said he was in the Second World War? Yeah, the, the end of it. Yeah. Did you, do you think that might have had a bit of a impact oh. on? I, d I don't think anybody life. can be in the m in a war situation. We've got people here who've yeah. been in a war situation. Uh, you know, I don't know it. Thank God. Mm. But for those people who came back out, I think they probably counted their counted their blessings that they were still alive and sort of thought, well, after that, anything's got to be good. I, you know, it must have been that mindset. So I've escaped death, therefore I can. You know, I, I think it was probably that. And that yeah. would have been the mindset of a lot of those people. Mm. 
So how would you describe then your own relationship with your with your parents? Were you close with them? Yep, R- really close. Uh, really close. Um, I think you know the the damage that was caused. Um, I think it you know y- as we said, you learn from these things and you you model your own parenthood on that. But um, the, the most disappointing thing was that I think it was just so they they missed out on a lot, you know. For mum to die at 57 when, you know, Elise was just born um, and Christy would have fond memories of her grandma, but, you know, she could have lived for 30 years more. And so that was sad, mm. I think. In retrospect, it was sad. Mm. And, yeah, you were talking about already just that you've taken learning experience, you know, just like lessons along the way. So can you just talk about, you know, not only in relation to that, but, you know, what are some of the big lessons you've learned along the way in your own journey as a father? Well, you know, like Laura was saying, um, you can't, you know, you can't be, you can't be perfect and, um, but you can sort of um, try. So I think when your children are little, you know, you, you, you set boundaries you know, you, you draw a line and uh, you try and teach them to... Because right throughout life, and it doesn't matter whether they're 40 or, f- or, or four months, um, you know, there are, there are balances of consequences, aren't there? For almost everything we do, mm. you know, for standing up here and talking and sharing a bit, there's probably a balance of consequence for me and maybe for others. And so I think one of the, one of the important things you can do as a, a dad and a mum and, you know... <laughs> One of the real lucky things in my life was sort of marrying Carly, because you know she's. Hey, Carleen! <laughs> yeah, there she is. Because uh, yeah, know, mothercraft nurse and sort of perfect with babies and uh, that kind of stuff, and everyone here knows her for that. But you know, to teach as a as a dad, I think to point out to your kids, regardless of their age, that for everything you do, there's a there's a consequence. Mm. You know, whether it be. You know, it, it might be a, a personal consequence. It might be that you've got to live with something or that, you know, or you might do something lovely for someone and there's a positive consequence. It mightn't be material, but, but it's certainly everything you do has got an influence. So you've got to, you know, I think what you've got to impart on your children from a very young age is, is that, that kind of knowledge that if you, if you take this path or if you don't heed advice or if you don't think carefully, there's going to be something which results from it, good or bad. And so, you know, the... To sort of be a dad that could do that and, you know, we shared a beautiful relationship with our kids. You know, when I was, you know, we've often had this conversation that you and I shared it. You know, there's this, there is this dilemma for a working dad Mm. about, you know, should I be with my children and my family? Should I be making money and trying to, you know, get ahead? And there is this, and I don't have an answer for it. I mean, as I said, I was particularly lucky to have Carly and she... You know, she just filled in the spots behind me um, in terms of raising the kids in bits and pieces. But, uh, you know, there is, that, there is that dilemma that you face. But as best I could, we had a great relationship with our children. Mm, and they knew, though, you know, there was this, um, uh, you know, what Laura was saying once again about, you know, um, regardless of your, your earthly father, your heavenly father. And um, they knew they were well loved. And I think one of the things about being a father is, you know, you, and we were talking about this the other day about this. Are you now a friend of your children, or are you something else? And you and I belted this around for a while. Yeah, and we 
y- yeah. kind of didn't really resolve it. Well, it was, it was more a, a dad. Yeah. A good dad is much more than a friend. Yeah. You know, it's a friend, but but it, it's different because your love is unconditional. Yeah. You know, you will do anything for your children, and so then this notion of um, how much God loves us. Yeah. You know, when you think about how much you love your children, and how far you go, even if you're annoyed to do it. You know, ev- <laughs> even if you know babysitting for three weeks might stretch you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a good hypothetical yeah. example. Yeah. 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 For example, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. you yeah. do these things. Yeah. How much does God love us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Mm. Um, so I've just got one one child at the moment. Yeah, you know, at the moment. Yep. Um, and so you know, but I've just been hearing from a lot of people. Teenage years are particularly challenging, so I guess yeah. I'll deal with that once I get to that mm. that stage. So I was just wondering, can you talk about how does the role as dad change as you go into the teenage years, and then how does it need to change again once you c- once your own children become adults? Yeah, because there's sort of like I don't know if you're pulling back a little bit. I don't know. You know more than me. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you don't you don't do a class on this stuff, do you? You just live it. But um, um, when they're little, you know, you've you, you pretty much got authority. You know, you, what dad says goes, what mum says goes, and, you, you, you know, we want you to do it for these reasons and always give the reasons. But uh, when, what do they say? You lose your son when he's, you lose your son when he's 16, you get him back when he's 22, or you lose him when he's 18, get him back when he's 24, or, and you lose your daughter when she's 14 and get her back when she's 20. And uh, I think there's a lot of truth in that. Um, you know, when, when, when kids are, are growing up, you know, they start to find their own way. They start to think independently, um, you know, and, they, and, they, and they, they reckon they know a lot. And, <laughs> a, and, they, and, they, and they start, they, and they do. I'm not, I'm not being derogatory to teenagers. So how do you then, so the dilemma you've got is how you um, guide them through it um, but still let them know, even if you're making hard decisions, that they're, they're, that they're so well loved. So, you know, I think there's that old, you know, not cliche, but, you know, you, you don't attack the person, you, 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 you attack the behaviour or you guide with the yeah. ba- behaviour. Mm-hmm. I think that's, with teenagers, you've just got to be there mm-hmm. and you've got to know that they're going to go through these difficult times but keep your love constant and keep your advice loving and constant. You know, yeah. And then when they get to, well, you know, a 40-year-old daughter who's now teaching me... Um, so, it's it, but you've still got the opportunity to guide, mm. you know, because you have, uh, you know, 65 years of experience in bits and pieces and you can, and when, when your children, you're all, you know, your children have grown up and they're going through, they're going through, you know, life, raising families, busy, busy people, you can kind of sit back and, and, and quietly observe and, and in a gentle way, I think, advise. But Carly and I are so lucky because our children come to us for advice. They, you know, they love us and they trust us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of the return on the investment for doing all the hard things before, yeah. you know, having that relationship. And yeah, and that's what you mentioned. You're, you're, we, when we were having coffee, you mentioned got into this theme of investment. And that's, that, that seemed to be particularly important mm. to you in terms well, of parenting. Well, you know, if you want to put it in sort of a commercial frame, you know, the, what you put into your children, you get back. You know, and um, if you don't make the investment in their lives and spend time with them, um, loving time, and you're not there for them, then I guess when they get older, they're probably not going to come to you as much or, or uh, trust you. 
So, yeah. so, but the real return, I think the real return for me and for Carly is looking out and seeing, you know, three children that we love very much who are beautifully married with a little posse of grandkids kicking around the place and more to come. Um, and then you can sit back as an older bloke and say, well, how nice is that? How nice is that? Aren't I glad that, you know, when I had, when I made decisions in my life that, that God uh, led me to this particular place? Um, and, and, that's, and that is for me. I mean, the return is broader than that because the return of is all about the family unit, you know, and society. But on a personal level, it's very much about, you know, being able to sort of look around yourself and feel a sense of, wow, this is great. And what would you say, like, if there are, say, dads here today thinking to themselves, boy, you know, I've got an adult child, maybe we're not so close, maybe, I don't know, for whatever reason, what sort of advice or wisdom might you share to kind of try and re-establish a connection and just kind of get things back on track? Well, you've got to reach out, I suppose. Yeah. You know, you can't, I mean, a, a lot of... A lot of broken relationships are probably because one party, or one party or the other has kind of dug in. So, you know, if you really want a close relationship or to re-establish a relationship, to reach out, reach out with love. Not try and tell a person, you know, come in there with a the kind of hands open. Not come up, go in there with an agenda to try and tell that person what, whether they're right or wrong. Just let them know they're loved and then eventually things will come, you know, maybe they'll come back, maybe they won't, I don't know. But that's what I'd do. Yeah. Mm. And I asked you, like I gave you a bit of a sentence that I wanted you to sort of finish off for me, just as we kind of draw to a conclusion. Mm. And it was just, I just said, finish this for me. A good dad is dot, dot, dot. So how would you finish that sentence? Well, a good dad is a dad who makes time. Um, a, a, a good dad is someone who, who, who has a sort of unconditional love for their child and is prepared to listen to them and try and see things from their point of view. But still be able to, no, I was going to use the word cajole, but that's, that's, not, that's the wrong word, but um, influence, influence them to think more broadly about issues. I think a good dad does that at, this at least at the stage of your life. For a young dad like you, it's just, you know, to, to make ends meet, and to be there and to, and to love your little bloke. Mm. Isn't? Mm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for joining me up here today. For a bit of a chat about do you think the this Do you think this will qualify me for the knock of honour? <laughs> the knock of recognition? Knock of recognition. Uh, yeah, I, I think for some reason, even though you do a lot, yeah, I think because of the family association, they've yeah, just gone, yeah. sorry, Jeff, you can never that's, win. That's one of the big disappointments you didn't touch on. <laughs> there you go, mate. Knock <laughs> of recognition. Well done. <laughs> so thanks a lot, mate. Good on you. Give him a hand. And... Uh, I'm just going to say a few words just to just to wrap up the service, but um, also I'm a little bit loathing at uh, Laura Stone who got up this morning and gave this amazing kind of message just after worship, pretty much almost word for word stole what I was just going to wrap up right now. So that's fantastic anyway. So look, just wanna, I just want to acknowledge, just like Laura was mentioning earlier, you know, that Father's Day can be a really difficult time for a lot of people. And um, I remember in my old church that whenever my senior pastor, the senior minister, would get up um, and he would do the Father's Day sermon, that there would come a point in the message where all of a sudden he would just kind of 
grab onto the pulpit like this. He'd just go quiet for a while. His voice would get a bit shaky and his eyes would just fill with tears. And he would just take a number of minutes to kind of regain his composure in the pulpit because whenever he mentioned his dad who had passed away a number of years ago, he just became really sad and emotional. And particularly on Father's Day, it just went to another level for him. And I know that there are people here today that would be in a similar boat because Father's Day reminds you of the father that you no longer have. And then others of you here today, I know some of your stories that Father's Day might remind you of the dad that you, that you never had or even the dad that right now you don't have, that you wish you really did have. And um, I just want to kind of acknowledge that and just say, you know, it is tough and it is difficult for a, for a lot of people who might even be here today or listening by podcast. But I also really do believe in my heart that there is hope and that there is joy that can be found in, in you know, amidst the sadness. And so just in the next few minutes, I just wanted to kind of reflect on what we all do have in God, our Heavenly Father. And there's this awesome scripture. It really jumped out at me uh, when I was reading this. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 to 11. And Jesus is speaking. And he says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. You know, and the point here is that no good parent in their right mind goes out of their way to deliberately not meet the needs of their child. If a child is hungry, a parent doesn't just deliberately ignore that need. And a, a, a parent also doesn't deliberately go out of their way to put their child in harm's way by giving them a snake, which represents something that could actually attack them or hurt them or even kill them. And then in verse 11, Jesus continues on and he says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your heavenly Father could give good gifts to those who ask Him? And Jesus says sinful people only to highlight like a contrast between the imperfection of earthly parents and the perfection of Him, the heavenly Father. You know, earthly parents can be good. They can even be great if they really, really try, uh, try hard. But God the Father is even greater. He's eternal. You know, the greatest parent on the earth that may be living today, won't live forever, but He will. God the Father, our Heavenly Father, is eternal. You know, my son recently went away to uh, Melbourne with my wife, and uh, when they got back this week, I, you know, it was just so good to, to see them both. I'd miss them a lot, but today's Father's Day, so I'll just focus on my son. Uh, when I saw him again for the first time, it was like I experienced this like overwhelming love in my heart for him that I hadn't experienced for him from him up to this point because I hadn't been away from him for that long. And it was just, I couldn't contain it. And it just made me think after that, you know, after that experience of seeing him and then grabbing him and just that, that emotion I experienced in my heart, that it's only a fraction. It's only a fraction what I felt was only a fraction of what God the Father feels for all of us here today. You know, good parents are so driven to provide for and protect their kids, but our Heavenly Father's drive to provide and protect us is even greater. And my hope today is that as you leave here, that you would find time to just reflect on and consider His love for you. 
and the lengths that he would go to to protect you. And also, if you are here today and you don't have a personal relationship with God, then my challenge to you today, my invitation is that just after the service, we'll have small group leaders who will be up the front and they come up the front um, in case anybody wants or wants prayer or anything like that. But today, my invitation to you, if you don't have a relationship with God, is that why don't you just come down the front and just strike up a conversation with Him. If there is a burning question that you have about God that you've just been pondering about for some time, don't leave here today with the same question you had when you came through the doors earlier this morning.